Tennessee football will open the 2023 season ranked as the number 10 team in the preseason USA Today AFCA coaches poll. They're number 10, and yet they are one spot behind Clemson, the team that they beat at the end of last season in the Orange Bowl. Welcome in to the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinels, John Adams. Adam Sparks could not be with us today. He's dealing with storm damage at his house. I believe Adam is fine. Hope his house is too. John, Tennessee's fine, at least according to the voters in the coaches poll, to the tune of a number 10 preseason ranking. I think that's deserved respect for Tennessee. Like if you would have just told me before I saw the other teams in the top 10 or top 15, whatever, that the Vols would be number 10 in the coaches poll, I think I'd say, okay, that's fair. Right around where they should be. One thing that stands out to me is curious about this, John, is that Tennessee's 10, Clemson's nine. We just saw these two teams play at the end of last season. I know there's turnover. I know Clemson returns eight starters, I believe it is, on both sides of the ball, eight on offense, eight on defense. But Tennessee returns number of starters as well, and it was already playing with Joe Milton as its starting quarterback when these teams met in the Orange Bowl. So if I have any objection, I think about this this coach's poll top 25, John, I, I think it would be that, is that Clemson should be ranked behind Tennessee. Yeah, it's not a big deal. And, and you know, in the grand scheme of things, how much does a preseason ranking matter? Hardly at all. Hardly at all. But I think it's more of an image thing, and I don't think Tennessee fans will be happy about it. But the fact that Tennessee's in the top 10 to me is significant in a preseason top 10. It had a great year last year, finished in the top 10, won 11 games for the first time since 2001. This provides confirmation that even though Tennessee suffered a number of key losses, including quarterback Hendon Hooker, wide receivers Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt, first-round draft pick Darnell Wright in the offensive line. Despite all those losses, Tennessee still perceived as a top-10 team. Uh, that's a credit to what Josh Heupel has done here. He's, com- he's completely transformed Tennessee's image, and it kind of shows that people don't think what happened last year was an aberration, that there's more to come and there's more offense to come. Yeah, and, and so much of these preseason polls, you're right, John, they are about image. And so I think if we're looking for a reason why Clemson is ahead of Tennessee, despite that Orange Bowl result, it probably is image. Like Dabo Sweeney has done a, a tremendous job of putting Clemson back on the map. I don't know that Clemson was ever totally off the map, but it was not playing to the Clemson brand, to the Clemson potential before Dabo arrived and they won two national titles with him, even coming off of a down season by their standards last year, their reputation is strong enough that I think that goes a long way in them earning that number nine spot. And again, they do return a lot on both sides of the ball, but I think their their reputation, their image under Dabo also has something to do with that. And so to see Tennessee in the top 10 as well, despite the loss of, of Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt um, and a first-round offensive tackle, Darnell Wright, and then some some key faces off that defense, to see the fact that voters believe in Tennessee enough to give them a top 10 ranking, that shows you 
which is what you were saying, John, I think is just, just how quickly Josh Heupel has changed the image of this program. So I think the, if you want to work yourself up, it's why isn't Tennessee ranked ahead of Clemson, which I guess I sort of fed into that, uh, that argument in the opening here, but the bigger picture is more what you're hitting on. I think in that voters believe last year was not a one-off coaches voting in this poll believe that Tennessee under Josh Heupel, they're here to stay. Well, the problem opponents have in beating Tennessee now, we've got two years of evidence with Josh Heupel as a coach. The problem opponents have, they got to score an awful lot of points. Uh, That was never more glaring than last season in Neyland Stadium in October when Alabama scored 49 points, and that wasn't enough. Uh, That's what this offense has done. In two years, two seasons, 26 games, his offense is averaging uh, over 40 points a game. And so when you look at, well, who can beat Tennessee? And first of all, you got to start with you got to have a great defense. I mean, a great defense. Georgia has that. It's 2-0 and against Josh Heupel. But how many teams have Georgia's defense? And a coach, the caliber of Kirby Smart, who's a defensive guy. So, yeah, it's when you look at the schedule, when you look at Tennessee's schedule right now, it would be an underdog in two games, only two. And, and that's what stands out to me as I look 1 through 25 on this poll is we've talked several times throughout the preseason about what Tennessee's win potential is this year. And I think you maybe tend to go maybe a game or two higher than where Adam and I fall. But then when you look at the rankings, I think it's evidence for you being really bullish on Tennessee's record potential this year, their potential to get back to a New Year's Six. Tennessee has an incredibly favorable schedule. And I know some fans will say, well, what are you talking about? They have to play Georgia and Alabama. Okay. Yes, they do. They do have to play Georgia and Alabama. Um, so do, so does Auburn, right? <laughs> um, so does, uh, so does Ole Miss. Ole Miss has to play Georgia and Alabama this year. There are, there are a couple other teams that have that distinction, but the advantage for Tennessee is once you get past number one, Georgia, you get past number three, Alabama in this poll, no other opponent on Tennessee's schedule is ranked in the preseason top 25. Contrast that with South Carolina. John, we talked about this on our other podcast, SEC Football Unfiltered. South Carolina has to play five teams this season that's ranked in the preseason top 25. Tennessee, two. That's pretty favorable, I think, toward getting getting back to a New Year's Six. Yeah, and then if you could just win one of those two games, now you're competing for a playoff berth. Oh boy, <laughs> you went so, there. You went yeah, there. Well, it, it's and and granted, last season Tennessee was headed for the play. It had a great shot at the playoffs, and it lost to Georgia. Still has a chance and got blown out at South Carolina. That's what Tennessee can't afford to do this season. It can't lose a game like that. It have it can't have an evening like that. 
where what then looked like a really mediocre team at best in South Carolina just manhandled it and really capitalized on Tennessee's uh, in, inadequate pass defense. So, yeah, you can't have that kind of game. And I think if we look at Tennessee's schedule, uh, to me it's not even close. Who's the – Who's the biggest problem outside the big two? And that, to me, is Texas A&M. Uh, I think, forget what Texas A&M did last season. It's got a pretty talented roster and a pretty deep roster. And it also is experienced on the, on the front line and in the secondary. Has a really good secondary. That's so important if you're trying to slow down t- Tennessee's offense. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you said Texas A&M, John, because fans were probably throwing objects uh, at, at something as they heard me say Tennessee only has to play two teams in the preseason top 25. You, you corrected me there. I'm glad you said oh, that. Texas, I, Texas A&M has the number 25 spot in the uh, in the top 25 here. So, yes, t- t- technically, Tennessee, they'll play three teams ranked in the preseason top 25. The point remains, yeah, uh, this, is a, this is a pretty favorable schedule. But you're right, it is it is three and not two with the Aggies uh, yeah. being at preseason top 25 at the number 25 spot. And, and I agree with you. I think that's the swing game in this season for Tennessee and getting back to New Year's Six. I think you, the conversation starts with Texas A&M. Yeah, Alabama, Georgia, sure, you'd love to get one of those two because then, like you said, you might be in the conversation for the playoff. But for New Year's Six, which I think is probably a more realistic goal for this group this year, the A&M game is, is the swing game to get in there. Blake, I guess if you go in beyond those three teams, there's a group of four, Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina, and some people might put Missouri in there. Not people that saw Tennessee play Missouri last year. Oh, no, you couldn't have seen the, either one of the last two games between the teams. Sure. But either, either one. Yeah, I mean, it does have a lot of a lot of players back. Uh, and it did play Georgia close last season. So that's something I guess you can hang your hat on. And and the game will be on the road in Columbia. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The, uh, as, yeah. as we all know, for O'Field, one of the toughest places to play. Oh, my God. Look at that. And it just, oh, my God, we've got to go to for O'Field. <laughs> and the response to that is always, huh? Where? Yeah, it's a, it's the home field for Missouri. Come on, pack your stocking cap, your gloves, and about three overcoats for for that it's, one. Yeah, so I guess so. And I was trying to be nice to Missouri there. Really, it's Kentucky, South Carolina, and Florida. I don't think Florida is going to be very good. I know it's in the swamp, so for that reason, because Tennessee's lost. Uh, gosh, how many games is it now? It hasn't won there since 03 or 04. So, yeah, you can, Tennessee just can't seem to win in the swamp. But Josh Heupel's never – a Josh Heupel team hasn't played in the swamp either. And before Tennessee beat Florida in Neyland Stadium last season, it lost 16 to 17 games to the Gators. Josh Heupel changed that. I think he'll change the swamp record too. Uh I put South Carolina in there simply because of what he did last season and because Spencer Rattler 
is one of those guys, if he gets a hot hand, which he had against Tennessee, he can play as well as any quarterback in the country. Doesn't do it every Saturday, but one game, if he gets rolling, South Carolina can score a lot of points. Kentucky, but Tennessee's won like, I don't know, I think it's like 17 of the last 19 in Lexington. Going to Lexington has never been a scary ordeal for Tennessee. So, yeah, you know, th- those to me are the net. Once you get past A and M, those are the next four. So, if you wanna, if you wanna be cautious and and not be maybe overly optimistic about Tennessee, you could say okay, nine and three. It'll it'll go, and I think that's pretty much what you're saying, nine and three. Yeah, that's that's where I've been. I, I've just uh-huh. thought they're either going to lose to A and M or they stub their toe somewhere else like with the loss to South Carolina last year. And that's where I feel more more comfortable saying nine and three. But but when you look at it on paper, um, I think they're more at the level of what you've been saying throughout the preseason, John, which I believe is 10 and two. Right. And that kind of comes directly from the fact that they're only going to be underdogs in two games, you would think, unless the season goes haywire. The only games they're going to be underdogs in is against Georgia and Alabama. Because even if, even if A&M plays up to its ability. I would still think Tennessee will be favored in that game, that October game, because it's at Neyland Stadium. So maybe A&M's ranked higher than number 25 by that point. I still think Tennessee will be favored. When you look at the schedule, John, there's really, I guess there's no major tests until, I suppose, Florida in week three with the history there. But I kind of look at it you know, and more of the South Carolina game a couple weeks later to end September based on what happened last season and and kind of a revenge game for South Carolina. But maybe the first test is that week three game against Florida at Gainesville because of the history, you know, Tennessee's demons winning in the swamp. I have to wonder, like, what in the world are poll voters thinking? Is it just the name on the front of the jersey? I mean, Florida is the number three team and the others receiving votes, they rank the equivalent of number 28 in the preseason coaches poll. I think Florida has probably the worst quarterback situation in the conference. They're, they're well-stocked at running back. They don't have a typical Florida defense. They have questions on the offensive line. What in the world is Florida doing at the equivalent of being number 28 in this coaches poll? I think one of the most significant upsets of last season was the very first weekend. Florida upset Utah. It was in the swamp. It was a very close game. But as Utah reflects on that season, the season in which it beat Southern Cal, it has to be thinking, how in the world did we lose that game? Well, you fumbled it away. That's how you lost it. But Florida has to go to Utah. It has to play at Florida State. I don't see Florida winning either one of those games. And now we're not even talking. We haven't even talked about the SEC yet. They've got two losses outside the conference is the way I see it. As you pointed out, quarterback uncertainty. And that's a huge, it's a greater issue now than ever before in college football. So I I just... I don't understand that either. I don't understand why Florida would be uh, ranked that high. I think Florida, 
Sparta lost to Vanderbilt last year. Yeah. yeah. It's really baffling to see them here. And it, it does you know, go to your earlier point that these preseason polls are by and large worthless <laughs> or, or at the very least they're just, they're based a lot on, on uh, long time reputation, et cetera. Because I think if you could tell me uh, you can either have Florida finishing the season in the top 25 or Florida does not make a bowl game, choose which is more likely. I would not hesitate for a second. I would say it's, it's more likely Florida misses a bowl game than they finish the year in the top 25. But here they are uh, in that, that number 28 position in these rankings. The, the AP top 25, John, I believe it comes out next week. Coaches pull out first, AP to follow. Based on how we know historical poll voting goes, do we think Tennessee will be higher or lower or about the same in the AP top 25? I'm guessing it'll be a little lower, maybe 12. I may be wrong. You go back to image, though. uh, You think maybe coaches like Josh Heupel, or or maybe coaches look at Josh Heupel's offense and say, I don't know how we stop how we could stop that. I just hope we don't have to play against it. And so it the, they give him respect. I think maybe the media will look more at well, look what they lost. They lost all these star players. How can they be as good? Uh, my optimism about Tennessee stems from the coaching staff, not just Hypo. I think this is a really good coaching staff. I think new offensive coordinator, Joey Halsley, who has been quarterback's coach, I think he will excel in that role. He's been with Heupel forever. So it's not really, yes, it's a change in title, but it will maintain continuity. Nothing different going on there. So, but there may be schools I don't know as much about that I might look at. Well, they lost all those guys. I, I can't can't see them being higher any higher than in 12th or so. But if you look at the schedule, like we've been talking about, and you start finding way, finding teams that are going to beat them on paper, it once you get past those first two, Georgia and Alabama, it's hard to see somebody doing it. Yeah. I, I think with the, the media, it's hard to say with their top 25 because I do think they'll look at the loss of, of Hinden Hooker and some others. I think they'll be pretty plugged into that. And as we know, the AP spreads its votes around the country, but anybody that even loosely covers college football knows that, that Hinden Hooker is gone, what he meant to Tennessee last year. However, I also think the, the national media is kind of enamored with Joe Milton and his arm strength. So I wonder if that, <laughs> that offseason – Buzz and oh, Joe Milton threw the ball eighty yards at the Manning Academy. That you know that that got a lot of offseason hype, made a lot of headlines, and 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 you know at large across the nation, the media is pretty high on Joe Milton. So I wonder if maybe they will be top ten in the AP as well. I, I think I'd be surprised if they're any lower than about twelve or thirteen. I, I think they'll be preseason top fifteen for sure in the AP. And, and I would be surprised if they, they're much lower than about 12. I think part of my prediction there was based on preseason publications. I think Tennessee was a little lower than it, what it was in the coaches poll. 
That's true. They were, yeah, they were more in that 13 to 15 range, I think, in preseason yeah. publication. West Coast schools seem to get a little bit more love there. That's that's sort of the, it's like, what do you value here? Because the Pac-12 in its dying days is supposed to actually have a pretty good pretty good year for football. It's, it's four top programs in Southern Cal, Washington, Utah, and Oregon all return their starting quarterbacks. They're all ranked in the preseason top 15 in the coaches poll, but Tennessee is ahead of Washington, Utah, and Oregon in the coaches poll. That'll sort of be the swing, I think, if they if they rank, wind up ranked a little bit lower by the AP, it'll mean the AP gave more respect to those West Coast schools, which I don't think they should. Uh, I mean, I do think it's going to be a fun final year of Pac-12 football. I think they'll be better than usual or what, what we've come to see from that conference for the last decade. But, you know, if Tennessee wouldn't have looked so good in the Orange Bowl, I would have more pause about putting them where they are. But because Joe Milton started that game, because they played that game without Jalen Hyatt, I don't really have much hesitation in putting them right around that number 10 position in, in the preseason rankings. I think that's fair. Uh, another way to look at it, think back. Uh, I know jo- I know Josh Heupel doesn't have a whole long, a very long track record. He's been a head coach for five seasons. But he's clearly one of the best offensive coaches in the country. I think most people would agree with that. He may be the best. I won't say that, but I'll say he's one of the best. I think most people would agree with that. When you have an offensive coach like that, think back through the years, how many times do those coaches have a bad offense? Players come and go, but their offense is always good. It might not be great. It might not lead the the nation in scoring as Tennessee did last year in in points per game and yards per game, but it's still going to be really good. And that's how I look at this offense. I think this receiving core could be even better than last year's. And last year sent two guys to the NFL. So I just, I I think, and it seems like media types would be more enamored with offense than defense too. So, Yeah, and I think what you're getting at there, John, or, or at least the way I interpret that is something I believe you can have a defensive-minded coach and contend for national championships. I mean, the best program going right now is Georgia. Kirby Smart, defensive-minded guy. So you can win the whole kit and caboodle with a defensive guy. However, I think having an offensive guy, especially one of Heupel's quality, raises your floor. I think it prevents some of those disaster seasons that we've seen from Tennessee in past years. I, I think it... it keeps you from losing games to the Georgia States of the world. Even program is better than Georgia State. Apple's offense is so so dependable. I just don't see Tennessee losing many games to sort of the middle of the pack teams on their schedule. Because as you said earlier, you better be scoring 40 plus if you want to beat Tennessee because you know they're scoring 40 plus. And I yeah, just don't I mean, see that many teams on Tennessee's schedule that I think yeah, they can even against Tennessee's mediocre defense. That I think. I mean, do I really think Kentucky's hanging forty on Tennessee? No, I don't. Well, if you can't hang forty on them, I don't think you're beating them. So that that is such a an ace up the sleeve is Heupel's offense. It prevents you from from losing to a lot of those middle of the pack teams that we've seen in past seasons. Tennessee lost to under other coaches. Yeah, I, I, when you look at it that way, I, I'm I'm the same way. 
it just raises the bar on what an opponent has to do. You're just a pretty good defense. Tennessee is still probably score 40 on it. Alabama had a pretty good defense. I think we can safely say that. Wasn't great by Alabama standards. Georgia has a great defense in it. It played very well against Tennessee's offense. We talk about Georgia having a defensive-minded coach, but look what Georgia's done offensively. I mean, it it scored 65 points in the national championship game. I think it scored, what did it score against Ohio State? 42, uh, something like that in the in the semifinal game. So Georgia isn't just winning with defense. You've got to have a, a really potent offense now to, to make the college football playoff. And, and, and Tennessee has that. And you're right. How many teams can, can Missouri score that many points? Even with that huge home field advantage (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in Columbia, uh, Florida, could Florida score 40 points? There's no way. Not with Graham Mertz at quarterback, which is why, which is why when you take away the swamp mystique, the, the supernatural type hold that it's had over Tennessee for going on two decades. Now you take that away. I guess you can't. When you just look at these teams, one versus the other, I just I don't see how Florida I don't see how Florida's winning that game in Week Three against Tennessee. That would be that would be a shocking result. You've covered Tennessee for for much longer than I, so maybe it wouldn't come as a shocking result to you because you've seen other seasons where Tennessee's had the team that they could have won in the swamp and found a way to mess around and lose the game. So maybe I shouldn't be shocked, but I when I just look at the two teams and and you put it perfectly. Do we really see Florida with Graham Mertz at quarterback scoring 40 on the balls? No, we don't. And and I think they're going to have to score 40 to beat Tennessee. So that's that's why I really like Tennessee in that week three game. I, I think uh, many, uh, many of those losses to Florida through the years in the swamp came because Tennessee was short on offense. Florida just had more offense. Sometimes it was it was close, but Florida had that one more big play sometimes. And sometimes it, it scored 59 on Tennessee way back in 07. But that's why, to me, South Carolina could be a more significant game for Tennessee, even though it's at Neyland Stadium. The fact that South Carolina scored 63 points on Tennessee last year, albeit in Columbia, South Carolina, it has the same quarterback. And Spencer Rattler, who threw for six touchdowns, same receiver in Antoine Juice Wells, who caught, I think, about 10 or 11 passes for 177 yards. That, to me, will be a bigger test for Tennessee because Tennessee still, we're not sure about that pass defense. Spencer Rattler can test that pass defense. Grant Mertz, Grant Mertz, I, I don't think he can. No, and I know Florida made that game last year at Neyland Stadium a little closer than what it felt at times. They mounted, you know, a late surge to make it competitive on the scoreboard. But as inconsistent as Anthony Richardson was for Florida, when he was good, he was really good. And I don't feel the same way about their situation this year. Overall, you number ten is that is that about where you'd have? Tennessee, yeah, John. I might have yeah. it a, a spot or two higher because yeah. if I'm predicting a 10 and two season, you go in 11 and two. I mean, that could put you at number seven or something. But, and you know what? 
Tennessee lose to close games to Alabama and Georgia and even loses a, uh, a third game along the way and wins a bowl against the national right team, 10 and three, it could still make the top 10. That's, that's not out of the question. All right. Well, another poll awaits AP poll around the corner, preseason practice underway. We will get into that in some detail next week when Adam rejoins the podcast. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Volunteer Statement.